ready to create the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. We've done it ourselves after leaving careers in law and clinical practice. Like many other professional women, we wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our growing families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other ambitious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. We love audiobooks and we suspect that you do too. Because you're a Soulful MBA listener, you can get an audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial over at audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba for your free audiobook. Welcome to the Soulful MBA podcast, episode 97, Jenny Girl Friday. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery, as well as a special guest for today. Every new business needs a sidekick, someone who understands how to set up shop, maneuver taxes and licensing issues, and how to build out some basic spreadsheets. I know I certainly needed help. In this episode, we interview Jenny McLeod, who has been working one-on-one with self-employed women for over five years. And Jenny is now on a new mission to make all of those necessary business chores easier and even fun for every single self-employed woman in Seattle. As a small business owner herself, Jenny offers her sidekick services, she does one-time consults, workshops, and she's even launching a brand new online business apothecary. We discovered Jenny through a book that she wrote last year called How to Become Self-Employed in Seattle, and we'll dive more into that story in the episode. Jenny lives in Seattle in a self-finished house with her husband, Alex, and two teenagers, and you might spot her driving around town if you're a local in her VW bus on her way to yoga or happy hour. Amazingly, Jenny has never owned a cell phone, and she's built her business out of the belief that self-employed people are essential to the soul of Seattle, and I would argue that they are essential to the soul of any community. You're going to love this interview. Jenny's a character, and she's amazing and bright and talented, and I hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, here is Jenny McLeod, aka Jenny Girl Friday. Welcome, Jenny, to the podcast. We are thrilled to have you here. Why don't we go ahead and start by you giving us a little bit of a background of your entrepreneurial journey, and then we'll go from there. Okay, thank you. I am so excited to be here. My husband and I always had a deal that when we turned 40, I would start being the breadwinner. And so for years, while I was a stay-at-home mom, I would try to go to grad school. I'd try to figure out what I wanted to do. I had been a teacher, and I thought maybe a consultant or a coach. I've always been interested in people's dreams coming true. So I kept trying to go to school. It didn't work. I was 38. I had two years. So I thought, what can I do? I took an Excel class at the community college, and then I asked a couple small businesses if I could do a project for them in return for a reference. So I ended up doing six free internships that totaled about 280 hours. And three of them were with one-person companies, and three of them were with small 
to mid-sized companies. And one day I had this epiphany that when I'm with one person working on a project, we get stuff done. I know how to help. They're excited. I can see the joy in their face. And when I was working in companies, I was really excited about my projects, but a lot of times they would get dropped because of politics or other issues. And so one day I was walking back from my neighbors. She's a, an education consultant. And I had the shiver go through me. And I felt like I was hit with Cupid's arrow. Like I was in love. I was like, I think I could make this a job. I don't know what to call it, but I want to help people who work for themselves. And that was about six years ago. And then I had to figure out how to do it. <laughs> and so for the first two years, I was learning along with my clients to figure out tax and license stuff with them. And then let's see, for the first three years, I really focused on getting 20 to 25 clients to work with one-on-one. -on -one. And then I realized I need to scale. I need to build my business to reach more people because I've ne by that time I had learned some things and I wanted to help more self-employed women with the chores of business and the motivation. So the last two to three years I've been working on newsletter, online presence. I wrote the book, been doing more speaking. So that's the basics of okay. it. Okay. Jenny, we need to go back to the first sentence that you said is that you and your husband had a deal that at age 40, you would become the breadwinner? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Like, what? like who makes what, a deal what? like this? How did this happen? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's great. So when we met and we were young, we thought we could both be part-time parents. That was foolish of us living in Seattle. So we learned very quickly that we cannot both work and earn enough money. So my husband, he had been an English major. And so of course, naturally he was working as a carpenter. <laughs> I was a teacher. <laughs> and I said, you know, let's, if we lived in Alaska, that's where I grew up, we would look at the local resources. You'd go fish or work in oil. Well, we're here in Seattle, so maybe you could go work at Microsoft. <laughs> and he told me later, I, I said it so casually and I believed him. And he was like, you don't know what you asked of me. But he did get a job at Microsoft. And so the deal was he would stay there till about 40. And then I needed to take over. Wow. Because he didn't want to have that corporate job? Like that's not where he wanted to stay? Well, he wanted to raise the kids too. He want, oh, I see. So I see. He, he would get his turn later. I got it. That's awesome. That is yeah. just amazing. <laughs> I've just never heard anyone have it so planned out like that. That's so cool. It started out as a joke, to be honest, and then it became more real. <laughs> so did, yeah, did he leave his job? Has he left? He did. Wow. He ended up staying till 41. And it was pretty intense. Those were some tough last years. And then he, we, he stayed an extra year, so we had enough money for him to take one year off and kind of catch his breath, be with the kids, figure out what he wanted next. He had an idea about building camper vans, micro camper vans. So he kind of started with that. Uh, but really, what he did a lot of is cooking, being around when the kids are around, going to school events, catching up around the house. And he, he started, he figured out how to weld. So he's on his way for the camper van business. Wow. That was about four years ago. Well, so I'll just tell the story that you and I just were, sh were chatting about before we started recording, which is how we found you. And I have a side hustle, another business that I started this summer making kind of wildcrafted plant-based beauty products and candles where I live on Orcas Island. And I 
didn't know how to pay my sales tax. <laughs> and I went down, like we have a C corporation based in Delaware and we run this software company and it's, you know, we know how to run this business, but I didn't know how to run a local business. And I stumbled across your blog and your book, which is how to become self-employed in Seattle. And I promptly ordered it from Amazon and it's great and it's amazing. And so that's, and I was like, we need to interview Jenny for the podcast. It's such a great book. And it's such a, like, it's such an important thing because starting a business, we get asked these questions by our clients all the time. And I think you and I, like, and we, you and us, we have the same (laughs) client base, right? Which is a lot of self-employed people and ours are are mostly in the wellness industry, but it's, it's the same stuff. And we get asked these questions about insurance and business license and taxes. And I'm always like, Sandy, it's not what we do. We don't answer these questions. And so I think it's so helpful that, that you are this phenomenal resource. And I think well beyond people who live in Seattle too. So I'm so curious about this book and how this book came into being too, because to go from doing this work for people one-on-one and starting to think about scaling, how does that lead to the, this like physical book? How did that happen? I'm so glad that you found me, by the way, and that you saw the soul in the book. When I was writing it, just a little bit out of order, one day I just thought I felt so tired and a little bit anguished. And I thought a piece of my soul is going into that book, which feels funny to say about a nonfiction book, a how-to book. But the truth is I had to dig deep and I wrote the book with love for people who don't enjoy business. So it was really hard. It took a lot of work to to make that book. It feels like my third child in some ways. So the way the book happened is I thought I want to make a little workbook for clients for when they're setting up their business, kind of how to get prepared for licensing, which licenses you need to get which order. I wanted to make it easier and more fun because people were all kind of like shocked with that process. And and then I thought, well, first I need to give them a little motivation. Like you can do this and here's why. And here's why it's good to pay your taxes, even though it sucks. And even though you're a healer type or an artist type, this you can do this. So one day on my porch, I sat down and I started writing And something possessed me. Every day I went out on my porch in the sun and typed and typed and typed and typed. And suddenly I had like 90 pages of stuff typed out. And it kind of hit me, I think this could be a book. And then I just kept adding to it. I was trying to make it small so it would not be intimidating, so it would look easy. But then the more I worked on it, the more I thought about issues that came up with clients And I wanted to really remove roadblocks from becoming self-employed because I think a lot of magical, beautiful people get this dream. I want to work for myself. I want to do my life's work. And then it's all these little things that slow them down. Mm -hmm. So I worked really hard. Yeah. I worked really hard to try to include all those things, but then make the book look approachable. When I sat down on that porch for a week, it, it was probably six months later, I picked up the writing project again. And it took me maybe nine months to a year to finish the revision and the book design. That is a long process. (laughs) I mean, it's almost 400 pages long. So Sandy, you don't have a copy of this in front of you. It's like, it's a beast. It's, this is not like a pamphlet. It's like, Huh. A thick, it's not comprehensive a book. book. It has a glossary. Like it's a real book. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And in the middle, I have a section called One to Go, which is kind of my method for starting your business. Instead of writing a business plan and spending two years of research, most of the clients I work 
with. They know what they want to do. They just need to get started. So one is get licensed. Two is get your first client. If it's your mom or your neighbor, that's fine. And then go do your work, set up shop. And so this middle section is maybe, I don't remember, maybe 60 pages. And I have gray bars on the side so you can see it. And I think I'm I think in the next week or two, I'm going to put that up on my website so people can actually download that for free. Because to me, that's the heart of it. And then there's a lot of other how-to stuff in there. It's kind of a reference. I have some places you can write down stuff. And I try to be your cheerleader. I'm trying to be kind of your best friend who happens to know how to do this stuff. So that's the tone of the book. I believe the term is sidekick. Oh, yeah. Right. Thank you. I'm your sidekick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, need I, read, I read your entire website last night, and I actually really enjoyed the, the voice and the copywriting with this whole like Jenny Girl Friday kind of sidekick. Everyone needs a side. Every hero needs a sidekick. And I thought, you know, it's really clever what she's done here, because um, for most people, as you said, they're their joy and their love is like their craft or their art or their business and not sales taxes and not licensure. And and it's like, it has to be done. It's like, ugh. But God, if I have Jenny Girl Friday beside me helping me do this, I'm all over it. And all of a sudden it felt lighter and more fun and more enjoyable. And I thought this is really, really clever because you could have used words like, let me help you do your license. Yeah. And it would have been like clicked that, you know, like I'll go on Instagram and start looking at something because that's not very exciting. But um, I have my, I can have my own sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to be your sidekick. Yeah. So I know it's, I know that, that you've done just Washington and I totally understand why. I just wonder, I have a new business idea for you. Yeah. I think you should become like Rick Steves travel books. You know how like he actually hasn't, you know, he's got a book for every country and he probably hasn't actually been to every restaurant. Oh, I, every no, inn I think and he every, actually goes to those places. But he but he has people who do the writing. Yeah, like they yeah. come and update. He has a team, like yeah. Jenny should write a book for every state and, and, and work with people in those states to get the right information and just like make it up. Or you license your license operation. Or, yeah, so that everybody has an option you to it. You teach people how to become sidekicks and you like, uh, yes. Uh, and you Ooh, take I a cut. It. We could because have a whole every, strategy session about this. Yeah, because because I don't think list- Jenny should have to learn how to do all of this in every jurisdiction because that no. would be mind-numbingly no, no, boring no. You for you got to get someone in that yeah, area yeah, yeah. to right, do right. it. But yes. she, it's her idea. Yeah, yeah. And she takes a cut. Yes. yes. And everybody who's listening to this is like, oh, I want that. But I live in, you know, New York State. Or- Let me just say, though, that I, I actually think this is I, I, I think you did a brilliant thing by by like using the word Seattle in this book, because I was like, this is exactly what I need because my business is like housed in Seattle. But I also think that this book and, and and let me know if you agree with me, Jenny, it would be really helpful for anyone with a small business, because here here's the thing, like some of the websites might be different you know, some of the exact form names might be different. But but the issue with starting a business up on your own is that you don't know what you don't know. And so I think that's the most paralyzing thing of all. It's like, okay, I can think about I need to collect sales tax. I can think about I need to get a business license. But what am I not thinking? Like, what do I not know that I need to know in order to be on the up and up with my business? And I think you lay out really clearly all of these steps. And I think they they largely translate to other jurisdictions. Oh, I love your reactions. They're so validating. You know, I don't have a colleague or peer 
really, you know, I don't know anyone who does what I do. And I feel like you're doing similar work on a larger scale. And also it's so elegant and developed and beautiful that it feels amazing to hear your comments. So thank you. And Sandy, oh my goodness, you're reading my mind. I have dreamt of, dreamt of writing one for Portland, San Francisco, Austin, Texas. And um, Jenny, you too, because I thought, you know, self-employment, there's an ethos. You know, these independent DIY small business not trying to take over the world. Like you said, you're selling gorgeous handmade products at a farmer's market and you want to pay your taxes and be on the up and up. There's a lot of, there are a lot of resources for startups and businesses that want to grow and not many resources for the littlest, tiniest businesses. And so I have been dreaming of how to scale it for people outside of Seattle and how to make it, how to make a general structure. Although I love the specificity. Like I like yeah. the idea of doing it for Portland, you know, cause then that person doesn't have to translate the yeah, laws. For sure. Yeah. But I have been thinking about how to make a, a general sort of a startup guide and the book, it was supposed to be Seattle specific in the beginning, but by the time it was done, I realized 85% of it can apply to anyone in any state, in any city and anywhere it says Washington state, you just go check with your own state and figure out what you need. So this is where I need five of me. Do you ever feel like that? Yeah, <laughs> never. Every day. Never. <laughs> yeah, so many ideas. But I do feel like I have two decades of work laid out for me if I want to, that I yeah. believe in. I believe in this work really strongly. Yeah, I think this just speaks to, for those of you who are who who are really embracing entrepreneurship and know you want to do your own thing, and, and many of you, if you're listening to this, you're in the wellness industry, but some of you are not. But I just think Jenny here found a real need in the market. And so rather than going out and deciding, I feel this passion to go do X, Y, Z, like you were really looking around you and and taking in data and looking at other people's experiences and seeing what they needed and where your particular skill set and abilities could fit in. And I think that often we as dreamers and creatives and entrepreneurs don't necessarily think that way. Um, we just think about what we want to do and what we want to make. And it's been a real education for me, you know, starting Namastream and and doing work with Sandy on Soulful MBA too. And also my other business to be constantly iterating based on feedback and data from the world around me. And I think that that's why you found the success that you found and and you're finding the needs in, the, in these other markets because there's a real opportunity and a need for someone to do what you do and you're picking up on it and running with it. Mm -hmm. I like that word. I think you used iterative or iteration. And this was hard for me. I think a lot of us women are trained to want to have a clear plan, do a lot of research, um, be perfect. You know, there's this old view of business where you work and work and work kind of like a a wedding or a giant event, and then you release it and it's perfect. And I had to learn to let go of that and be really present, trust myself and just go, what makes sense right now? Am I headed in the direction I want to be? Yes. But what's right in front of me right now? And I knew I just wanted to go be with people, go be with my clients and find out what they needed and help them right then and there. And, you know, some of my favorite work is when we're talking about how to say no, how to take time off, how to 
have balance with and how to have time with family, how to find best fit clients. I love branding work. And then what I realized is most people are are feel terrified of tax and license stuff. And so, as you said, even though there's these other things I love and I have future ideas around them, what was in front of me was that people were scared of this. And so I thought I can help relieve those worries. And for some strange reason, I really enjoy doing tax and license stuff, which is weird because I'm kind of a creative woo-woo magic person. But anyway, so yes, I feel really lucky that something I like is what people really need. And I love that you were not afraid to really niche down to like one person businesses or one person business. Like you, you know, you're we're so often like, let's help everyone. Let's serve all. And it's like, no, I'm really focused on this one particular market. And so I think that is a really smart move by you as well. And you also listen to your body, right? Like you just intuitively knew that this was the 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 type of business that you wanted to work with. And what you experience is why I no longer sit on boards because I cannot stand it. Like, let's just go, let's move, let's do it. You know, and I, it, I've done a lot of board work in the past and I just, I refuse to do it anymore because of how you described it earlier. So let me ask Jenny, uh, sort of, I think the question I'm most curious about after having looked at all of your your website for a long time and, and looked at your book is where do you find, you said taxes and taxes and licenses is where people kind of falter the most. Is there one specific thing? Like, is it a mindset thing around it? Is it, is it a technical issue? Like what is the thing that's holding people back that you've worked with one-on-one? Like what is the one thing that you feel like if you could just solve for that, if somebody could solve for that in their dream, then they could make their business a reality or they could find more success. Mm. I think the biggest problem is when people go to research it, it's very confusing online. If if the government had a self-employed resource center, it would tell you, okay, you need these five things. The problem is when you look at the Washington State Small Business Guide, it's like 90 pages, and it includes all these things that a self-employed person doesn't need, like L&I, labor and industries account and things like that. So that's really where the book comes in and the website and I'm still developing the website and that's and once it's developed I can go get the word out. But that's the biggest thing is when you research it it's very confusing, it doesn't make sense. Books also they're so complete. Other small business books they're so complete that it just overwhelms you and shuts you down. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy-to-use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live stream programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. You can learn more at namastream.com. I will say, as a lawyer who is... (laughs) multiple businesses in Washington state, I find it excruciatingly painful to navigate. And once you've done something once, like I actually agree with you, like it, there's a pleasure in filling out the forms, yeah. <laughs> just like the root, the, like the, the routine of it or the, just the monotony of it is fine, but figuring out how to do it and knowing that you're doing the right thing is really hard. And, and I also want to say, this is my plug to people who are, who are struggling with this stuff is like always call 
the office. Like I am the first and most annoying person in the world. Like I call, do not call your software company, but call, <laughs> but like call the government agency. Like I, I can't understand the letters I get from like the Department of Revenue. I don't understand what this is. I just call and I talk to a human being and it all gets worked out. Like I'm trying to get a, like a food permit. Uh, anyway, it's a whole other issue. <laughs> Commercial kitchen stuff right now. I've got to deal with the Department of Agriculture. Like there's a lot going on. I can't understand. It's just, it's filled with jargon and outdated documents like these websites. Like you just call someone and they'll be like, oh, I don't know, call this other person. Like you have to be the annoying person that if you can't figure it out, just call, call the government office and sit on hold or be transferred or follow the direct. I mean, because then you get the real information and it's, it's don't be too proud to do it, right? Like to me, this is one of the things that I will say as, as a lawyer that I've learned is, like mostly what lawyers are doing is calling and like clarifying information, you know, and just be that person. So, you know, if you can figure it out yourself from websites or from Jenny's book or from whatever guide you're using, then that's great. But if you have any question at all, just pick up the phone and call whatever that agency is. Yes. Oh, man. And the thing that a lot of people don't know is most levels of government, the people answering the phone, their job is to help you. So in Washington state, when it's time to fill out your Department of Revenue annual or quarterly report, uh, clients of mine feel sheepish about calling, but they actually have staffers who are there to help you fill out the form, whether you're using paper or online. Like that is their job to be patient and nice. And can I go a little tax nerd on you for just a minute or two? So it also gets confusing because there are all these different levels of government. So the way to think about uh, license and tax stuff is that every level of government wants something from you. So in our case, it's everyone has the IRS, of course, federal IRS. Then your state is going to want something, your county is going to want something, and your city is going to want something. So anyone who's new and they don't know where to start, just look at each level of government that you're in and call the business services and ask someone to explain to you over the phone what you need to do. They're there and most of the time they're most of the time they're friendly and nice. Is that true for every business, Jenny? Like if you were doing business on the internet and not local in Seattle, for example, do you have to pay county and municipal and state and federal? It depends, right? So, well, oh this you're asking that Jenny. Oh, I'm sorry. I was <laughs> sorry, talking I'm not used to, to having Jenny someone girl. else have the same name was, as me. Go, Jenny. I was talking to my sidekick. Sidekick, Jenny, go. (laughs) Basically, yes. Every level of government wants something from you. Sometimes you don't have to pay anything if you don't earn enough, but you still have to make the report. So the IRS, of course, wants income taxes and self-employment taxes. Our state wants business and occupation tax, and they want you to collect sales tax. I can go back to that in a second. The city wants business and occupation tax, but only if you earn over 100000 And the county wants you to pay property tax on any equipment you use to do business or any property that your business owns. So you can see why people are confused because these are all different tax types and sometimes you have to pay them and sometimes you don't have to pay them. And then so really, it's just figuring out which of these, you know, five to nine burdens do you have? And then once you're in your routine, it's really easy. But you can see why everyone's confused. Oh, in all of these levels of government, they have different portals 
and different ways of doing things. So a lot of times when I'm working with clients, I'm just sitting with them, helping them zoom through the portals because it's, you know, and then you learn it one year and you haven't done it for a whole year and then you got to do it again a year later. So there's a reason that it's a little bit tricky. And that's what I'm trying to build with the Business Apothecary, my online business resource center, walkthroughs of these systems. Which also is a great name, by the way. Ooh, love that name. Love Business that name. Apothecary. Anything with apothecary so is like a winner. Yes, so a winner. Good. So let huh. me ask this question. What who would normally do this? Like you're a sidekick. That's a new profession um, that, that you've coined. But who would normally do this with someone? Because to be honest, like the reason I found you is I was too, I was too embarrassed to talk to my CPA. I was like, he handles like these big, these big deal issues for our software company, right? And I was like, oh, I can't. I, I can't, I need to try to be a big girl right now and yeah. figure this, <laughs> this like sales tax issue out. Like I should be able to pay the sales tax I collected. Like I can figure this out. I've just never sold anything like this before. Yeah. And so I found you because I was like, I'm going to figure this out. I am smart enough to figure this out. But who would normally, like if someone doesn't have you, who do they, who helps? Like who, like how does anyone figure this out? on their own? Like who, what profession does this? Like, is it nor like, do you sort of do the work that a CPA does? Like, is like, w how does it work? <laughs> oh, I love this question. The quick answer is, I don't know anyone who's doing what I'm doing, which makes this really fun. What I, a lot of times I meet people who simply don't know. So they haven't been doing these steps. So a lot of people, right. they don't know about the state taxes, so they just don't do it. Most people don't know about the county. This is, I would say, if you talk to 10 small businesses, maybe only one would have registered with the county. Um, and a lot of times this isn't a huge problem because they don't make enough or have enough property to owe any money. So basically, a lot of times people just don't get these things done. Even if you are working with a CPA, many CPAs only do your federal taxes. They don't even prompt you for the state tax or the county tax or the city tax. In fact, I had a client who'd had a CPA for years. He'd collected sales tax for years. The CPA never prompted to send in his state sales tax. So then the state got in touch with him. And after four years, they're like, you owe us $30,000. He didn't know because the CPA hadn't prompted him. So I don't really know who helps people with these taxes. And usually it's friends of friends or usually what's happened is someone gets contacted by the state and they're like, Hey, you need to do this. That person figures it out. And then when their friend opens a business, they tell them that's usually the, the way it happens. This is so broken. I mean, I feel like, so I, I use my little like square reader every week and I collect people's money and I'm collecting sales tax because I made sure when I set everything up, I was collecting the right amount of tax for the, the state and the County and the city. And I was like, where, where does this go? I know, right? I know. Like, I did why, it. Why does the square, why does square not just like send it to the right? Like, yeah. I have to figure out where this goes. Do I have to, like, what, how do you figure? And I felt so, I mean, I felt so ashamed or humiliated, to be honest, because, because we run this like much bigger company and I don't deal with these. Like, I don't do any of this. Like, I have people that do, like, you know, Sandy, we don't, even think to do these things. And, you know, we've gotten involved on, in like some jurisdiction issues around privacy. And like, we, you know, we deal with like, we're dealing with like some HIPAA questions, but 
I don't know how to pay county sales tax. I don't know how to, how do you know how to, and so it just, and then I was like, oh, there's got to be like some really easy, like somebody's made software that yeah. does this. Like, like that's honestly the real opportunity I feel like is, is like for these pay, point of sale systems to integrate with state, county and federal like tax deposit, like resource, like that's yeah. what needs to happen because yeah. it shouldn't, I mean, in my mind, like if I, I had to, I had to do a lot of work, including buying your book <laughs> and spending time on your website, like to be able to pay my sales tax and making phone calls. And I was like, most people will not do all of this. Like exactly. I am the, like, I am like the lawyer slash anal retentive Virgo business owner. And so how do regular people do this? And I, I look around me at the farmer's market or at the arts and crafts fairs I'm at. And I'm like, these people are not doing this. I know <laughs> there's right? no way these people are all doing this. Yes. And everything going online makes it a little trickier too. And actually Sandy, you asked, what about if people have an online business? Do they still have to pay all these taxes? So this is where it gets complex. If you have an online business, yes, you pay federal taxes. Probably you pay county and city wherever you are. But when it comes to state sales tax, this is so strange. What do they call it? It's a system that's based on location. So if you have a business in Washington, an online business, you have to collect sales tax for any buyers that live in Washington only. You basically become a sales tax collector. So someone in Spokane, and software is pretty good about this. So if you have like a Squarespace commerce site, you have to program in all the, all the zip codes so that Squarespace will collect Spokane rates for Spokane people and Seattle rates for Seattle people. And so that, yes, you have to do it. And then let me back up and just say, it's so dizzying that a lot of people give up. And I don't blame them because it's very confusing. Here's the other thing I want to say for all the listeners out there. If you can take a little time to just figure out what you need to do and do the best you can at it, then you can have less fear and less like worry and just get back to your, your life's work, the thing that you're passionate about. I kind of think of it like a monster in the closet. It's just there. It's making noise and you can ignore it for a while, but it bangs in the door. So if you don't know what your system is in your city, talk to someone else doing business, call your levels of government, try your best, and then move on. Do what you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I will say business, small business lawyers can help and CPAs. I think some can help if you ask about it. I mean, we also pay as an online business and I don't know how it works in other states, right? But we we're a Delaware based corporation for Domestream and we also have a, we, we operate as a foreign entity in the state of Washington. So we also are basically a Washington company too. And we have to pay B&O taxes. So we have to pay, it's about 1% of all gross revenue. It's right. That's around the tax rate, I think. So every January, I don't know if it's the same month for everybody or how it works, <laughs> but we have to pay, you know, this big kind of tax bill to the state of Washington every single January for all of the business that we do. And it's not the same as sales tax. It's actual total revenue, top line revenue. A lot of times, again, too, the clients I work with, they don't like numbers. They say, I don't like numbers. I don't like business. And a lot of times people, too, they don't feel good about giving the government money. I've also seen dozens, if not over 100 people, learn this stuff and feel strangely empowered 
It is empowering once yeah. you do it. It totally is. I will say just having dealt with my sales tax struggle, now I'm like, I know what I'm doing. I could I can tell like the vendor next to me at the market who's selling leggings, like what's going on because I figured it out. And I think they're like, I don't, I'm not worried that like the state's going to come after me for not paying my sales tax that I collect every week. And so I just think, you know, we do work with a lot of online entrepreneurs, but they are typically people who also run offline businesses. And I think, and then they come to online as a way to expand. And so I think many of you maybe already figured this out, or you have a great team who works with you. I don't know who those people are that have helped you. Like maybe share them in the, you know, the comments where we're posting this or send us a note to team at namastream.com because I honestly would like to know how on earth you figured out like if you're if you're teaching like you know Reiki if you're doing like Reiki services like how where how did you figure out how to pay your taxes <laughs> like how do you figure where did you figure out how to get your city business license like we'd like to know because it's it's like a little bit confusing <laughs> I'm just fascinated by the levels of government you guys have in in the in the states I just, I'm baffled by it. Honestly, we have provincial and we have federal and that's, that's about it. So you would never pay the city of Calgary anything. No, no, no. Wow. So even, even when you had your stores, we had a license, we had a license, a business license because we actually had a physical location. So we had to be, that was municipal, but no, I don't, we might've had a municipal tax. Yes, we did. We had a business tax then because we had a physical location, but me now having a couple corporations, I have federal and I have provincial and that's it. And so I was just looking on our website and it's like, if I was a new business, like I'm that Reiki, <clears throat> Reiki person, I would look at the the small business on the the government of Canada website. And it's like, if you're this, go here and there's a checklist. And then checklist. It, I, <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it's like, do you need a GST number? You know, here's how you know if you need one. And then and then I don't know, it just I, like if it was me to answer your question, I'd go on this government of Canada website and I'd figure it out. And um, I also have phoned them and they're very, very helpful. And then once you are registered as a GST, uh, which is a goods and service tax for the Americans listening, <laughs> and they they will send you reminders like, okay, you got to pay quarterly these GST installments. Does it tell you how to do it? Like, does it tell yeah, you? Of course it does. Oh, wow. It says go to your bank. Or go to this wow. website and pay. And oh, then that's we what did I do. nothing like this. And then I don't, I don't understand the issue. Like, yeah, it's a bit confusing and you have to kind of track everything properly, but it will tell me. And like, I have one tax form and my accountant will say, you owe this much federal and you owe this much provincial. And I go pay those two government levels independently, separately, but it's one form. Because every time, Jenny, when we have to do our American tax stuff, I'm like, what? What are these words? I don't understand. We're to I have to take like tax. two days off. <laughs> and I, I just like, now I understand why I don't understand. Like, I don't, I don't. Yeah, it's, it's just hard. Been it's so hard. It's totally to hard. Me. And this is why Jenny has this opportunity as a yeah, sidekick, huge, right? Because it's huge. not even talking about the licenses, which are also hard. It's also hard to get a business license for a city. That's hard. Yeah. And like you know, figuring out the city of Seattle business license was hard. It is. It's really hard. It's really hard. Yeah. And, they, <laughs> and they've all changed their portals. I'm working on trying to update my walkthroughs on the on my on the apothecary, but you know, I want to go back to a point you made, Jenny, too. That it didn't feel good trying to figure this out. Where you're like, I'm a smart person, I can learn this, and then you go to figure it out, and it's confusing. So I just want to tell everyone out there, it's all kind of a mess. You know, in some ways, 
online has brought us opportunities to do business in cool ways. It's also complicated, in my opinion, these government processes. You know, before you probably went to your bank or you went to some darkly lit room and waited forever on a yellow couch to go talk to some cranky person at a counter and then you got it done. But now it's all these portals and all this stuff. And the thing is, people feel bad when they're trying to get it done. Like I'm smart and I should be able to do this. I want to tell you, you are smart and it's just a messed up system. So just take a deep breath, take care of yourself, take a whole day off, do what you need to do, and then take a bath, be nice to yourself, have a drink if you like to drink or go for a walk. This has nothing to do with your overall ability to be an amazing person and amazing at your job. Yeah. I think that's an important, a very important part. Very important point. <laughs> so Thank you, Jenny. I think, Jenny, there's something in your book that I just want to talk to people about. I think everyone should have this and make it for themselves if they don't live in Seattle and buy your book. So you, it's on page 124 of your book, but it's like this important dates. Like you have this directive to put important dates on the calendar. And this is something I've done for for Namastream for years. And now I'm doing it for my other company. And I think it's really helpful because you say for year one, like the first year of formation, you have different things that you need to do. And then like year two and beyond, and you have like specific dates on the calendar. And, and these days in your book might not apply to everyone, but there, there, there are some dates that will, right? Like, and they need to figure out what those dates are. And so like the dates, different things are due or need to be reported on. And I think that it is worth taking one day a quarter or one day a year even to sit down and calendar this stuff out just to know that you're kind of taking responsibility for these processes in your business. And I think it's maybe painful the first time to figure this out. I would talk to your lawyer, talk to your CPA, talk to Google, whatever you need to do, but start to figure out like, when do I have to pay my taxes? When do I have to renew my licenses? Like, what are the important things I need to keep track of? And then just calendar them out and have them be repeating events for the next year. Yes, because a huge challenge of working for yourself is switching gears all the time. I mean, you know this, like, oh, I got to work on my website. Oh, I got to put these receipts in. Oh, now I'm with the client. Oh, now I've got to clean up my office or whatever. So if you're constantly wondering when is the next due date or you're waiting until you get that envelope in the mail and they always look kind of scary, then you're constantly on this weird alert or reactive state. And I love what you said about taking one day a year or one day a quarter and just getting those dates on the calendar. And then I think I don't say this in the book, but then you could also back up and say, okay, The estimated quarterly tax payments are due on Monday the 17th, so I'm going to move back two weeks and on the third, write down, work on my estimated quarterly tax payments. So I don't think I say that in there, but if you put it in the calendar, then you don't have to think about it. And then you're reminded by yourself, which is a much nicer reminder than the government (laughs) reminder services. Yeah. And I think you as the business owner need to be responsible. So like you said, like uh, other people this other client who was working with a CPA and then didn't pay sales tax for four years. Like you can't rely on your lawyer or your accountant to manage your business for you. Like they provide a very specific role. And if it's not clearly communicated between you and them that they're also supposed to do this other stuff, which really isn't their job, then they're not going to do it. And so unless you have a CFO, like nobody listening to this... (laughs) pretty much has any of has this person, right? So you have to be the adult in your business and you have to take responsibility and ownership over these these things. And I think just it's hard to do it 
I don't like it any more than anyone else, but um, but it really is, as you're saying, Jenny, very empowering to do so. Um, and I think it puts you like so many steps ahead because you don't have that emotional or mental anguish sort of draining on you in the background or in the subconscious. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And actually, I've been meaning to work up a little worksheet for this. One thing I want to start doing is once a quarter, take a day retreat for myself where I check in with all the tax stuff, check in with dates, and then also just reflect on work. What's working? What's not working? Do I want to change any services? Are there any clients where we need to move along from each other? Do I want to change what kind of new clients I'm getting? How do I like my schedule? What kind of self-care do I need to add in? So anyway, I think it's nice to kind of reserve once a quarter to check in. And like you said, be the grown-up, let's handle the business, and then also be a good manager of yourself so that you're happy as a worker in your job. Yeah, that's a great idea. You should let us know if you have that worksheet. Okay, I will. All right. Well, I think we are going to wrap it up and we send all of our guests through Proust questionnaire. So ready? Okay. Ready, Jenny Girl Friday? Ready. What is your idea of perfect happiness? Sitting somewhere warm, watching people walk by. Maybe I'm with my husband and we're having a drink in Paris. I like that you say maybe with my husband. <laughs> yeah, I would I would recommend uh, emphasis on the Paris part. Yeah. Um, which living person do you most admire? Ooh, Tina Fey. What is your greatest extravagance? Premium denim. <laughs> which words or phrases do you most overuse? <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't know. No, that's okay. I You can pass okay. if you need to. Which talent would you most like to have? Being a great storyteller. Where would you most like to live? Hawaii. What is your most treasured possession? A box of cards and art from my kids. Who is your hero of fiction? Purposely asking you this question. I don't ask every guest this question. Oh, my. Hero of fiction. Oh. Come on, girl, Friday. I'm trying so hard. Hero of fiction. I don't read a lot of fiction these days. Oh. I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. I just thought you would have like a hero, a fiction, or a movie. A movie. I know. (laughs) This is so hard. I don't know why this is so hard. (laughs) I can't think of one right now. That's okay. We pass. What is your favorite rock band? Well, I love hip hop. I love Drake. (laughs) Oh, gosh. He's Canadian. Rihanna. That's okay. What What is it that you most dislike? When people cannot appreciate different points of view. They think there's only one right way to be. I don't like that. What is your motto? Listen to your I wish statements. Nice. Thank you, Jenny. Uh, I got to <laughs> find so a hard. hero. A heroine. <laughs> Just All be right. glad she didn't ask you for your favorite historical figure. Oh. <laughs> I think no one's been able to answer that except for me. Except for you. Okay, so let's go ahead and dive into our joy and hustle. And I know you already have some prepared and I'm excited for you to share them with our audience. So what is what are your joys that okay. you'd like to share? I love this goddess oracle deck. I can't remember the author's name. It's just really fun to see powerful women in there. The book, Women Who Run With the Wolves by Dr. Estes, that book changed my life, taught me to follow my intuition. If you live in- You have Seattle, a podcast on that book. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to yeah. check that out. It's it's like, I, I saw that as listed on your website as one of your heroes or your favorite writers or something. And I was like, oh my God, I already love this woman. Oh, yes. Yes. Read that book. If you don't have that book, get it. 
if you live in Seattle, a joy for me is Lady Wells. It's a women's bathhouse. So if you have a women's bathhouse in your town, I hope you'll try it out for your listeners. And then I love this complex tabletop game called Scythe. It, when I am playing a complex board game, I am not thinking about work. It's so fun. It's just fun to have my brain play. So those are my, oh, flare pens. I love flare felt tip pens. Those are my joys. And what about your hus- what about your hustles? Oh, if you need a kick in the pants, read Stephen Pressfield. Do the work or the um, war of art. Those will get you moving. Also, if you are beginning, if you're just thinking about starting a business, get Guy Kawasaki's The Art of the Start. That first chapter is why I'm talking to you. Without that book, I would not have started my business. The other thing for hustling is if I have a big push, let's say I'm doing a big marketing push, I make a bank of ideas, I write out a ton of different things, and then I'll put them on index cards in a jar. And then each day I'll just pull one out and work on it. That way I don't have to make the choice. Oh, oh I love so that. so smart. Yeah. That's fun too. Yeah, it is kind of fun. It's like, ooh, which one am I getting today? Yeah. Oh, and then the last one, a huge thing for me is making a weekly flow plan. So basically look at your week, kind of like when you're back in college, write down when you're working on which things, write down your self-care and whatever your projects are, write those in. And that just helps me reprioritize is making this sort of, I call it a weekly flow because I don't follow it exactly. But when are you doing marketing? When are you doing office? When are you going to CrossFit? Mm -hmm. When are you going to yoga? Yeah. Great idea. Wonderful. Okay. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Please tell folks where they can find you online. JennyGirlFriday.com. Perfect. (laughs) Wonderful. I still love that name. Thank you. It was so wonderful to spend this hour with you. Thank you. This was a joy. (laughs) All right, folks. We will see you next time for a full episode. Bye. Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba/teacher to sign up. It's totally free. Thank you for listening to the Soulful MBA podcast.